What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Bike Race Weekly. My name is Rick, and I'm here with my co-host. Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Ryan Gerard, And we're here this week to talk about a bunch of exciting bike racing because it is finally time for the Hilly Classics, Ryan. We yeah. had Amstel Gold this past weekend. We had Flesh Wallone just a day or two ago. And then we have Liege, Bastogne Liege coming up this weekend. But, Ryan, before we start talking about the Hilly Classics, and I guess what you could say is the end of the classic season. What's new with you? How you doing? Uh, good, good. Good. Took a, an FTP test last oh, week. Oh, nerd. Um, brought that up to 310. Mm. So I'm pretty happy with where I'm at. My goal for the season, or for the year, was 315. So you're like 3 watts per kilogram, right? 3 watts per kilogram. Pretty close to yeah. there. No. you're like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm you're 4.3. Like, oh, because I thought you were like 250 pounds. Uh, pretty close to that. I'm going to give our listeners a bit of a skewed image of what you look like. Yes. But congratulations. That's pretty solid. Thank you. Coming I've, into the race season nice and strong. Yeah. And uh, so I've been doing a lot, uh, starting to do like my race prep stuff. And um, it feels like all the work I've been putting in all winter is really starting to come together. Yeah. Like the morale is slowly going up and up because I'm like, oh feel a lot better than I did last year. So, like, how would you feel if you... So, we have our first race this weekend. Yeah. Which we're going to talk about later, the Cheesehead Roubaix. How would you feel if you came into this first race of the weekend? You know, it's kind of technically a gravel hybrid race. Yeah. Maybe uh, somebody in front of you takes a bad line. You kind of tag their wheel, fall over, and break your collarbone. You know, how are you feeling at that point? Um, I think we've kind of talked about it before. It's, like, part of it. Um, to be honest, I'd probably be most frustrated about the ambulance ride oh yeah i'd be like can you just drive me i would be most frustrated well i would definitely drive you don't worry ryan uh but to be honest like it is what it is honestly i would probably find something else to do while my shoulder recovered and then um i mean just start preparing for the later season race like uh uh gateway cup that's a pretty good mindset to have because i feel like i would be absolutely destroyed and want to throw my bike in a dumpster on the way to the hospital. Nah, it, it, the it is what it is. Up. Yeah, I know. That's our. That's the difference between our personalities. Uh, you're more cool, calm, and collected. <laughs> I'm more neurotic and not those things. Yeah, it's frustrating. Like if someone does something stupid, you know, like someone gets a yeah. little, t- just a little antsy and does something dangerous. Right, tags your back wheel. You know. Yeah, I mean that's different. Um, but it's more frustration at the the person rather than like the situation of breaking. But you know, it's kind of like you accept those risks. That's true. I mean, it's a good mentality to have. You know, it's if it was easy, everyone would kind of be doing it. You know, it's true. So yeah, there's risks involved. Yeah, there's those that bike race and and those that do triathlons. There so, you go. Yeah. There you go. There you go. And the most you gotta risk with a triathlon is you know falling off your bike uh, when. You try to put your bare feet into your shoes. You know, that's surprisingly Which, happens. Go, that, I went to lot. watch the Iron Man this year. That happens. That is that's going to be the, the point where everybody crashes. Also, too, so, you know, we're, we're in the Madison area. We go and watch the Iron Man. Well, I did this last year, but we'll probably be going to watch it this year yeah, as well. Yeah, of course, because uh, my brother's doing it. Yeah, so the bike, the way people get on the bike is they go on to, uh, I forgot what Figure with this John Nolan, East Washington. It's John Nolan, but it's the building that's like uh, I don't know the terrace something something. Oh, the um, 
Madison Terrace? I don't know. Something but like that. Monona Terrace? Monona Terrace? Monona I think Terrace, it's the yeah. So they, they bike down these spirals. And, you know, like triathletes typically don't have the best reputation of bike handling. Well, those bikes are not easy to handle. That as well. So you just see all of these people soaking wet from the swim, slathered in sunscreen as well. So there's got to be some slippage going on. Getting on these bikes without their shoes, sometimes even clipped in before they're about to go descending down this like spiraling ramp. Is it like really tight? It is really tight. So I just remember watching that and thinking, oh my God, there's going to be so many crashes. Which, (laughs) which, while I was watching, there were no crashes. Really? There. But I'm sure there were at the end of the day. So yeah, I don't even know how we got on this tangent. Triathlons are generally safer than bike racing, but there's still crashes. Anyways, enough talking about crashes and triathlons. We're going to talk about some real bike racing and some some real men with the Amstel Gold Race, which was a good one. Yeah, very good. Everybody's saying this was one of the best races of all time. You watched it, Ryan. Do you agree? I watched the highlights. The highlights. I mean, that's all you really needed to watch. It was a really exciting race from start to finish. I would say the most one of the most notable things happening was obviously uh matthew vanderpool winning the race i'm not um, surprised by that though so i'm I not almost surprised like ex- expected it not surprised that it happened but if you were to watch the the entirety of the race it it was kind of insane so you had um matthew vanderpool had attacked at like 50k to go and he took one rider with him izagira i think one of the izagira brothers mm-hmm. and was quickly reeled back in and then on the next Berg, I believe it was Alaphilippe uh, and another group of Quicksteps. So I think Alaphilippe had one teammate with him. And then he went and they kind of had like a small group off the front. And then in a couple more kilometers, it essentially whittled down to Alaphilippe and Michael Valgren on Dimension Data. And that looked like a winning move. So I think they had roughly somewhere between 20 and 30K. Oh, sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. My computer is freaking out right now all right so roughly 20 to 30k left matthew vanderpool had been kind of off the almost off the back of the chase group because he had just been caught and then this attack went up the next climb so he was really struggling but it in the time gap kept growing with these two out front it looked like that was going to be the winning move but those two kind of started playing games valgren is not as good of a sprinter as uh, Alaphilippe, who's got a really fast finish. So neither of them wanted to pull because Alaphilippe was going to win it when it came to the line. And Valgren didn't want to give Alaphilippe the win. And he wanted to make sure that Alaphilippe was sufficiently tired when he had to sprint against him. So the time gap kept coming down and down and down. And then lo and behold, who was pulling the chase group up to the final race winning breakaway? Matthew Vanderpool. Matthew Vanderpool, which was pretty insane. I that's mean, that's what blows me away about that. Right. And the the reason why people are saying this is such a crazy finish is because I think with about 400 meters to go, Vanderpool had for pretty much the last 6K until the finish of the race been pulling a group of favorites with the likes of Michael Matthews, I believe, was in there. A lot of really fast finishers. Simon Clark, who I think went on to get second in the race. He was essentially just pulling this group up to the the lead breakaway, which was Valgren, Alaphilippe, and uh, Kwiatkowski, who had recently joined them, a former winner of Amstel Gold. And then instead of um, you know Matthew Vanderpool kind of 
pulling off or being, you know, starting a, 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 a less than stellar sprint, he pretty much opens it up and wins the race. I mean, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen anything that incredible in terms of uh, feet of sprinting and pure power. Yeah. So he's, yeah, he started pulling from like 6k or so to go. Mm-hmm. And then when he was like 500 meters, those two guys saw that him coming and he pretty much just started his sprint from like 500 meters and then just passed them and kept going. Like it was, it was an insane, insane sprint. And Matthew Vanderpool had teammates in this race, but none of them were there even in the, in the lead group. So it's they're not nowhere like, near his fitness level. It, they're a content, small continental team. Right. And he's one of the best racers in the world. Right. So at the end of the race, I mean, it was, it was just insane. Is probably the only word you could really use to describe it. How how much work he did, and then to have the legs to just dust some of the best sprinters in the world, some of the best classic riders in the world, is just incredible. And doing it in the Dutch national champions jersey, what a race! I mean, that is just pretty insane. So great watch. If anybody hasn't seen the race yet, even though you know how it ends, highly recommend going to watch that. Um, Ryan, you actually found a new favorite way to watch bike racing. Yeah, uh, I subscribe to NBCSN's Cycling Path. So you're saying that you pay money to watch bike races. And Me and Anna split it. You so it was only $10. Oh, that's nice. Um, and you I was getting really frustrated with the way that I was watching it. Which was um, sketchy foreign live streams. It, it, I wouldn't call it like sketchy, but it's a foreign live stream. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really bad quality, and it's constantly being taken down, so you have to constantly be refreshing it. The broadcast often it's, gets suspended. And then me and Anna were looking at, like, like the, to get a high-quality, like, um, video, and then all the replays from last year is $20. Yeah, if you're a bike racer and you have a $5,000 bike in your garage, you probably should pay $20 if you like watching bike racing. And it supports bike racing supports bike racing you know yeah it's kind of why i feel good about it i am as cheap as anybody else comes along but i i think it's a good thing to pay for bike racing even at that little amount of money honestly i've gotten my money's worth out of it already um like what i've been doing on my trainer if i ride for like an hour and a half i watch like i've been going through last year's tour de france and i just put on the last 30 minutes Uh which is like you know the exciting part mm-hmm. so I, I do like three races and you work your way through the tour de france yeah it's pretty and so it stays exciting you know i put some music on in the background and turn the volume down on the uh on the tv so it keeps good, good way to watch yeah, bike racing good way to watch bike racing all right well let's move into our next bike race to talk about which, which is uh, I actually watched it on NBCSN today on my bike. Nice. That's, you're just ripping through bike races, Ryan. It's yeah. Like, it's like you got a, a, a podcast you got to talk on about bike racing. Right. Crazy. Um, so that was uh, The Flesh Will Own, which happens kind of in the middle of the week between uh, the Amstel Gold Race and Liege, Bastogne Liege. I personally, I think the Amstel Gold Race, or I'm sorry, Flesh Will Own is a very exciting race, but you pretty much don't have to tune in until like the last 30k it's a relatively flat race that finishes on the mir de hui which is a they did three laps of it this year right oh okay that's true but it, it always comes down to a, a sprint on or not a sprint but like a a, a final you know ascent with i would almost together. call it a proper sprint because yeah, it's still it really a big is. group when it comes to that final an final uphill climb. sprint an uphill and it sprint. is 
Like that climb is ridiculous. Steep. It looks like uh, kind of how they they broadcast it when they're going up. It they're, you're like, okay, when are they gonna go? When are they gonna go? And then it goes to another camera, and you're like, oh, they're still at the bottom. Yeah. When you're like, that's ridiculous. It's so steep and so long. And it's just crowded with people. Yeah. It's so cool. It's like a soul-crushing climb. That would be an awesome race to watch live in person and just to be able to see the suffering going on on the riders' faces as they grind up the Mirdahui. And who's our winner from this race, Ryan? Was it a favorite? It was a favorite. I think he was the number one favorite for the ra- this race, and that's uh, Julian Alphilippe. Returning winner here to defend his title from last year, so a two-time winner of La Flesh Malone. And also somebody that probably wanted some redemption after a near miss at Amstel Gold just a couple days ago. Yeah, and he had a good battle up the climb with Jake Fuglesong. Jakob Fuglesong. Jakob Fuglesong. Yeah, Jakob Fuglesong went a little bit early, and he really held on to it. And for a little while, there was kind of this like mm-hmm. bike length between Alaphilippe and Jakob Fuglesong with, with the gap kind of maintaining, and it didn't seem like Alaphilippe was going to be able to close it down. But with probably, uh, I'd say, like 100 feet to go, you see Alaphilippe just have like a little bit more power to get over the top of Fuglesang. And then Fuglesang was on his wheel when it kind of flattened out. I thought yeah. he, he almost he started to uh, to sprint around. And, yeah, he started to come up on him. Yeah, but that is like, that is, that is Alaphilippe's bread and butter. A super steep uphill finish really reminded me like of a Valverde-esque rider where he's so good all around but really shines in those super short punchy uphill finishes I was really surprised that we didn't see Valverde up with those two yeah I was kind of expecting him to to illustrate the the race I want to say Valverde's won this race five times before yeah he definitely knows how maybe as he gets a little older in his years it's hard to have that like devastating punch that require that's required when he is like 37 38 actually 38 yeah and and to be able to win this race actually he might have just turned 39 um, to be able to win this race, I think this is definitely somebody who's got just a ton of snap. And we all know that even though you can stay as strong as Valverde when you get older, uh, the first thing to go is kind of some of that snap, that, snap. That, that really high-end power. Yeah. But we have Liege, Bastogne Liege coming up this Sunday. Sunday. And I think Valverde is still a favorite there. Uh, it's not quite as punchy as the finish of Flesh Wallone. Valverde again has won this race multiple times, but I think it's going to be a really good showdown. I would say this race is it's obviously hillier than Amstel, or it's it's at least got a hillier finish. Um, but I think it's not quite as steep as Flesh Malone, so you've got a, a a broader mix of riders that can potentially win this race. Ryan, did you have a pick for uh, Liège this weekend? Um, you know, I'm just looking at that right now. Uh, I don't think Bardet is racing it. Alejandro Valverde is racing it. I don't think either of them win. Um, so last year, I mean, we, last year Quickstep is the is the favorites, of course. With, uh, with they're Al bringing in this race. Al Philippe and Bob Youngles, former winner, last year's winner, and Bob Youngles had won the race. I think he went roughly twenty k from the finish, mm-hmm. and nobody was able to close him down, and he just kind of motored to the victory. Um, I'm going to say this wrong again. 
but uh, Jacob Fuglesong. Jakob Fuglesong. Jakob Fuglesong is going to be there. Pretty close. I think he's got a good chance. I, I think he yeah. really showed that he's got the, the form right he's now. He's in good form, yeah. Um, Peter Sagan's not racing, but Romain Bardet, I don't think he does much. I don't think he's got that, that punch. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'd imagine that it's probably some of the similar riders that we've seen at the front of these hilly races. Yeah. A, a Philippe. Fuglesong, Valgren would probably be a good candidate for this one. Uh, Vincenzo he, Nibli, he he, if he, uh, you know, the right attack, getting yeah. the right gap, I think he could potentially win. He, he's kind of got that that punch. He's got the know? flair too to kind of attack when when the time is right. Um, so Tom, Tom Dumoulin will mm, be racing. That's Tom kind Dumoulin, of surprising. Yeah. So he's going to be in good shape for the for leading up into the Giro. So I wouldn't be too surprised if Tom Dumoulin was able to do something in Liège. Yeah. Greg Van Avermaet uh, announced this week that he'd be doing it. To be honest, I think I don't know why he's doing it. I I think it's not an, a bad opportunity for Van Avermaet to you get a good so? result because when these races get so hilly like that, I think teamwork becomes a mm-hmm. little bit less important. And I think you know obviously Alaphilippe is so strong, he's on the strongest team. So I think people sometimes equate his success to being on quick step. But when you get into some of these super hilly races, especially like Liège, I think a lot of it comes down to some of the final climbs and just having the raw strength. And I think Van Avermaet has that raw strength. I think he's just kind of been a little bit off the tactics with the last couple races. Um, I'm going to lock in my favorite, though, right. uh, with an Adam Yates. Adam Yates. Bold pick. Bold pick, Ryan. Why he was looking today. So for uh, Fletch Willem. I butchered that. Close enough. It's fine. Uh, he was looking really strong until he crashed out. Mm. Uh, it didn't look like too bad of a crash, but they definitely pulled him. To, you know, there's no point in finishing. Right, right. You're off the back. What's the point? Yeah. So, uh, but he was looking really strong until then. Mm-hmm. So I think you know he takes a few days to recover, get over that crash, and he's going to be pretty fresh. Yeah, you know, I I think that's probably uh, definitely an outside pick. But a good pick, for sure. I'm, I really I'm, like Mitchelton Scott and the Yates brothers, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, I guess I, I would be silly to not go with Philippe. He's been so dominant this year, and obviously he's on... You know, he kind of reminds me of one of the riders that you never really know if he's on good form or not because he's just always winning bike races. But you'd have to imagine that if he just won Flesh Wallone, he's probably in pretty good fitness. So I, I would probably venture to say that Philippe is the favorite going into this weekend. Kiwakowski has always been in the finals of these races, so I wouldn't put it past him to be able to nab the victory with with Liège. I think he might have been a past winner as well, but yeah, overall, I think it's going to be uh, going to be a good race for sure. Uh, Drain Thomas will be racing it too. Interesting. That's surprising. Yeah, interesting. He's probably tuning up a little bit for the tour, so I actually really like Garen Thomas. So I'm I, a big fan. I would too. really like if he could nab one of these classics victories. I think it'd be really that'd be really pretty cool. cool. I I think he's my second. Second. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What about you? My second pick. Ooh, if I were if I had to pick kind of like an outside, kind of more of a second tier, I think I'd also go with uh, with Nibali. I think Nibali. Okay. I think he uh, he just has some, you know he's kind of one, he's like a Valverde. He's just always got like a spark, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He's 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 good at um knowing when to attack too. Right. He can he can he can make the moves and he knows how to animate the race. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right, Ryan. I think that's all the pro bike racing. Yeah, that's the good. real pros that we've talked about. But we want to get into another topic, right? The Cat 3 pros. The Cat 3 pros. The Cat 3 pros talking about the real pros. <laughs> so, 
what we're going to talk about is when do you not go to a race? Yeah, so the situation right now is... Yeah, give um, some context. The uh, event we are looking at going to on Sunday, uh, the weather is slowly starting to deteriorate. Correct. Uh, it went from... So it went from beautiful 60-degree late April weekend, Saturday and Sunday, to now Saturday is going to be... It's supposed to snow. Yeah. And Sunday's supposed to be like high of a 45. I saw 42. Oh, geez. So it's gotten worse. Yeah. And this is a, this is a hybrid, I would call it a hybrid road gravel fondo. Yeah, it's a 60, 64 or something mile race, uh-huh. 10 miles of which are gravel. Yes. And the and gravel's kind of like spread apart. I just learned this through you today. Kind of spread apart into one mile segments. Very similar to Perry-Roubaix. Yeah. That's why it's called Cheesehead Roubaix. In terms of... In terms of having sectors, yeah, there are no cobbles. So no, don't get, that no con- cobbles. don't get that confused. Dirt sections. Dirt sections. Um, the real, real men, real men sections. So the question now is: is how do you call it of going? I mean, uh, there's good question. Good definitely question. people that say, "Oh, you know, rule five or whatever." I don't. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, the, uh, the old Illuminati, the rules, right? Yeah, of hard like, enough, hard enough. Yeah, hard enough. It's like okay, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if it's not enjoyable, why the heck are you doing it? Uh, that's like type two fun though. It's it's enjoyable to some people. That's know? true. Yeah, some people really uh, like that. You know, not enjoying it stuff. Yeah. So we are on the fence with this one because it kind of goes two ways. The race is free. It is. So in some regards, because we haven't registered yet, it makes me think, well, there's no, no, uh, nothing bad about not going to it because we haven't paid money for it yet. But at the same time, it's also free. So if we don't have a good time, it's not like we paid money to go. Yeah, but you know, group rides are free too. Group rides are And you don't go to all, every group ride if it's raining. That's true. I think the snow is going to make it a little bit interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, I think we're going to play it by ear, see what the snow actually looks like. Yeah, and uh, I think, yeah, so I think that's kind of what we're going to do. We're going to hold off until Saturday, see how much it snows. Because, I mean, it's different. If it's flurries, maybe. It's amazing. Um, if we get a few inches, probably not. Right, right. Um, would be great is if they reschedule it. Of course, I won't be here for the next two weeks right. after that. Uh, but for everyone else, I'd probably be ideal. Yeah, uh, I think but, so. I mean, well, so the, the question is, is, is brought up a good, a good, like broader, broader discussion. Yeah. It's like, when do you decide do you, to pull the plug? When do you decide to pull the plug or go based on if something's free, like a group ride? Right. Or if you pay for it, I mean like a crit race is like 30 bucks, you know, or like if you're doing like an Ironman or a Grand Fondo, which costs, which can cost hundreds of dollars. Well, let's start from the less money side of things, and then we'll kind of... start with the group ride. We'll start with the group ride. Uh, you know, you wake up Saturday morning, uh, there's there's rain in the forecast, it's, you know, it's, it's let's call it summer, so it's not cold. Are, what, are you showing up to the group ride, Ryan? Are you, uh, are you rule, rule fiving it all the way to, to wherever you got to meet everybody, or, or are you pulling the plug? So I will, if I'm like really like... I need to start doing group rides because we can't do like like right now this year I mean a lot of races uh, there's are, not many races right, so it's yeah. kind of like I need to do these group rides if it's a little rain it, or like it might rain like right at the end of the ride yeah why not yeah but if it's like downpouring and they're like rule five we're still going out no screw those guys so I am gonna not go 
not go at all? And here's my reasoning. It's because I actually have, I am not afraid of the rain. I will show up to rainy group rides because if it's like 65 to, to 90 degrees and raining, I mean, that's like taking a warm shower. Like, it's not a big deal. It doesn't suck that much. That's another thing is that the, if it's really hot, the rain won't affect you much. The problem is nobody shows up. Yeah. So I'll go to a group ride and it'll be raining. It'll just be like drizzling and you'll get a, a quarter of the attendance. Okay. So at that point, I'm like, it, screw this. So I'll maybe, maybe I will show up or maybe I'll just do my own ride. I'll usually show up, see what's going on see who's actually there and then make a game day decision or a game time decision. So yeah, that's how I generally handle rainy group rides, but let's start to creep into some like more a crit race. Like, like let's say like start with a crit. Yeah. Okay. So like that's a so that's it costs a $30, $30 day. $5 for day of extra. Extra. Um if it's if it's showing rain, but like a 50-60%, I'm I'm just waiting day of. For sure. Yeah. Assume that we haven't registered until the day of. Yeah, usually register like online registration closes a week before. Mm-hmm. So unless it's like you know sunny, right? I I will just wait until day of. It's definitely worth that five dollars to make a game day decision of this is going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. Oh, and also too for rainy races, I mean you'll get ten people. Right. Yeah. It, it's it's always a it's kind of a weird domino effect of. I don't want to race a crit with 10 people, so I'm not going to show up. But then yeah. there's like, maybe there's only actually like a couple people that aren't showing up because of the rain. So yeah. A cr- and generally I don't like, I'm not a huge fan of rainy crits just for That's the sake a lot of, more dangerous. for the sake of everybody flying through corners with water on the pavement. Yeah. Not, not an awesome thing. Honestly, I've had fun doing them before, but they kind of get a little hairy sometimes. But then let's talk about cyclocross races because cyclocross. some people live for muddy, rainy cyclocross races. I hate cyclocross races where it's a ton of mud. Dude, same same as me. Absolutely I, despise it. It's I don't I don't get it. Like some people live for that stuff. I'm not one of them. Yeah, you know that extra. Your bike like, still has mud on it. Your cross bike yeah. still has mud from the last race of cyclocross last year, and it's slowly coming off. Yeah, not really. that's the thing because that's the whole thing about cyclocross that just annoys me is you race for an hour, but it takes three hours to clean. Like right. what? Insane. Why? Why? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? You know what? You can still race really hard for an hour on dry dirt. You know, what? I'm just saying. Yeah, I I'm on, I'm the same page as you. I, I hate maintenance. I hate cleaning my bike. I also just don't really like mud and rain, and it's like it makes everything so much slower, and then you end up running a lot more. Not the a fan, running, not yeah. A fan. If you're running half the course, it's like, well, why didn't I just yeah. do a five k? All right, so cyclocross, both of you, both you and I are on that same page. Kind of mountain biking, I think, is a bit of the same scenario. Yeah, generally, I've raced really bad raining rainy races. Generally, they are they're more likely to cancel mountain bike races when it's really muddy. And rainy, Hell no. really no, not in your experience. I have I raced in literally like parts of the course were two feet of water. Oof, that's I'm not kidding. Two feet of water. It the course turned into a river. Like the water was funneled to that single track. And it was like two feet of water, and I'm not kidding. That sounds pretty miserable. It was awful. That right. was I did walk half the the race. It was so bad. It was right after. It was actually after. Uh, Hurricane Sandy, and the race oh. was in uh, Louisville. Oh, yeah. So it was the remnants of Hurricane yeah. Sandy the uh, night before 
the, uh, our race. That sounds terrible. So right? like the worst part hit hit like the night before, but then like the after effect was still hitting during our race. Yikes. Okay. That sounds miserable. We've kind of talked about, like, I would say on the cheaper side of things, events, kind of between, like, 50 to $25. But now let's kind of get into some more expensive events that you have to pre-reg for. So I think we've come to the conclusion, if you haven't paid for the event and you can do day of registration and the weather's iffy, do it. Mm-hmm. And neither you and I are fans of raining and crappy conditions. No. Some not, people do. Some, some people, people like it. it. I don't blame them. I don't blame them. It's just not, not my cup of tea. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about like a like like a fondo. I think that's kind of like your hundred dollar range. Like your that's a eight, pretty that's a pretty Gucci fondo. But 60 yeah, to let's, let's say sixty to hundred dollars. You had to pre reg like a month or two months beforehand. You look at the forecast and yeah, it's gonna rain. Are you showing up to that fondo? Well, uh, there's two aspects here. Okay, um, are you traveling? If you're um, traveling to like a location, maybe spending a few days there. Yeah, get over it. Four hours. You All know. right. Yeah, I'll do that. If it's really cold, um, it might be miserable. Maybe oh. most likely they would cut it short. Hopefully, you got the family with you, so they can be your de facto, you know, broom wagon when you yeah. want. When you want to throw in a towel, you know, you got them following on the on yeah the, on the follow vehicle. A little different if it's like you know across the street from you. Yeah. Um, Let's also, say so you paid you paid eighty dollars, and that Fondo is going off tomorrow morning, in in, in the beautiful town of Madison. You're not going to show up to it if it's raining. Um, that's that's the next next aspect. All right, all right. Is do you care if you lose that eighty dollars? Um, some people are like, I, you know, kind of scrap that eighty dollars together. I'm going to do it. So like for mm-hmm. me, if I paid eighty dollars and just don't do it, I'm going to kind of um, hurt from it. You know, yeah. like I'm going to feel I, like I spent eighty dollars on this. And I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Other people, they're like, it was only eighty bucks. So I think I fall into the camp of I've spent the money, I've committed, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do my best to like make a fun time out of it. Whether that's finding a group of people to ride with that are going to be, you know, a pretty fun time, or maybe I try to get like a really good workout in it and kind of like sure. get into like the whole like, oh, like I'm out here, I'm doing it, like I'm trying to be hard and race in the rain and some like like we've talked about some yeah. people really get into that. But I think 80 to 100 dollars is still, you know, a pretty, pretty reasonably priced event where hurts for a little while, but it's not not the end of the world. But let's talk about the the primo events, those those Gucci dollar events, and you know what I'm talking about is like Iron Man, or even like if you're just into bikes, let's say something like a like a three to seven day like like a um, like a hot route where you're like yeah. doing like the whole like stay somewhere in a hotel and they put you up and it t- costs a ton of money. Yeah. So like for an Ironman, that's that's a solid six to seven hundred dollars, and for a hot route, it's like plus one thousand dollars. I mean, if you're doing a multi day event, just expect it to rain at least a day or two. If you're going doing some of the events that are that expensive as well, so like I think there's there's kind of like a bell curve, maybe not a bell curve, but. If an event is you're pay, if you're paying twelve hundred plus dollars to do an event, it's a pretty good chance that the organizers are going to do everything possible to make that event good. Yeah, and that might that might involve, you know, like extra attention when it's raining or like you know just trying to do stuff like that. So I'm not super worried about that. For an Ironman, on the other hand, like 
day of event and it's like the worst weather ever, which happens. Yeah. Um, and and you paid seven hundred dollars. Would you show up? At the start of a swim, looking absolutely. at looking absolutely. out at some choppy water. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for that much money, um, I think the biggest part of that would just be changing your bike portion. Maybe you just ride a road bike, you know. Oh yeah, for sure. If if it was like, like you know, some kind of like apocalyptic weather, best believe I'm taking the deep dish wheels off. I'm oh not, for sure. I'm not running a disc. Don't do deep dish wheels if it's raining and windy. Don't do it. Don't do Don't. it. Don't. We see, we, we know all you out there are thinking, yeah, but I'm a great bike handler and I get extra watts when I'm going into that. Also, don't, don't pay, do it. Also, don't, don't pay three thousand dollars for wheels. Don't, that was your first don't mistake. Do it. You're gonna not use them. You're not. You know, it's gonna happen. Like there's gonna be bad weather and you're gonna want to use them. And no, don't do it. I'm on the same page. Also, too, if you're doing an Ironman. Or like if you're paying seven hundred dollars for an event, it's probably an all day endurance event, all day slash night endurance event. Um, I'm I'm definitely not like you. You're gonna suffer anyways. Like it's gonna suck. Like nobody nobody enjoys like fifteen hour Ironman, right? So like my my thought is, well, it's gonna be hard, and the weather's just gonna make it slightly harder. But I already expect it to be hard. So like, what's the difference? Yeah, and I think if it's, like, again, if it's, like, a warmer day out, um, I think eventually you just kind of accept the rain. Yeah. To be honest, It's just kind of, like, part of the day, right? It's, it's almost like a uh, double-edged sword. It's like, would you rather have it raining, or would you have this, rather have the sun beating down on you all day? Yeah. A lot of times, it's, you know, actually, I watched it this year, and the, the people had, like, well, last year, perfect weather. Like, really nice weather. What was the temperature? Um, I want to say it was like it was between like seventy and eighty degrees. Oh, that's perfect. Really was not. I don't think there was a ton of dehydration mix. I mean that or risk. Excuse me. That was my general observation. But I know. Yeah, you're right. Like I think I'd rather have it be like rainy than be a hundred degrees and I'm constantly worried about not drinking enough water. Yeah, I think more like more people probably finish when the weather sucks as opposed to when it's super hot. I think that's when people's like the wheels really come off the the rails. Yeah, it can get really dangerous too if it's really hot. Oh Much yeah, more I mean, dangerous if it's especially doing raining. extreme endurance sports. I mean, yeah, I'm totally on the same page with that. Rather colder and rainier and wetter than hotter. All right, I think we've kind of covered the gamut yeah. of. Oh, of, one thing I wanted to say, yeah, real quick, I forgot sure. to say this before. All right, I'm making a uh, a call. Right now, so everybody knows it. All right. Okay, Matthew Vanderpool, first male to win all three world championships. Interesting. I've he already seen... has cyclocross. Yeah. Um, the Dutch uh, world championship coach wants him to race the world championships for a race that suits him very well, and he's going to start mountain biking soon as well. And I think this is going to be the year that we see the first male win all three. You know, the one problem with that is the road worlds fall right smack at the start of the American cyclocross World Cup races in September. So uh, I think he scraps. You think, honestly, I think he should just scrap cyclocross now, in general. No, so I, I, but I think I know. I think it's good. I think that's what keeps him. Like having fun, like Matt Vanderpool doesn't seem like the guy that can just grind away a road career. He seems like he has to, he has to be interested. Like that's why he likes doing the mountain biking. That's why he likes doing cyclocross. It's kind of like a, a mix up for him. 
I can't imagine him, like, you know, just slogging away during the Grand Tours and, you know, having fun doing that. See, I almost want to say that he starts doing, like, shifting to do Grand Tours. But think about it like this. If, if a coach sits down with you and she's like, okay, would you rather race American Cyclocross or, you know... Get in the history books forever. But there's a difference though between doing a whole road calendar and doing a full road career. Well, he's and just, not and just showing up yeah. and missing the first couple cyclocross races to do the the world road championship, right? Well, I, I what what I think he could do is because he's once classic season's done, he's going to start racing mountain bikes. Right, right. Uh, keep his fitness going through there. Once it gets towards the end of the season. Start maybe getting on the... You might not even have to really spend much time on the road bike. He could probably keep training for mountain bikes, keep that punchy uh, fitness, right, right. and then do very well at the, at, the, at the World Championships, or do as well as he can, and then he'll still have that fitness for that the World Championship mountain biking. Yeah. I, you know what, Ryan? I think, I think there's a, like a decent possibility that for sure he is at all World Championships. And if he's at all the world championships, there's a definite possibility that he could win all three. Yeah, I mean, just looking at what happened in Amstel, it's got a, the the Yorkshire Road Worlds course this year has got a really good profile for Vanderpool. Uh, yeah, I tend to agree. I think I think that could be quite a move for him. All right, making the history books. You heard it here first. If you hear it anywhere else, they stole it from us. Yeah, definitely. It's That's... a great way to wrap up the show. All right, Ryan. Well, on top of. Uh, you know, with with that, I think it's time, like you said, to wrap up the show. Everybody listening, we would love it if you could go give us a subscribe, give us a a rating on iTunes. Um, you know, we're also on Stitcher as well. Would love if anybody could leave us some reviews or comments. We like to hear how we're doing. Go ahead and follow us on Facebook. You can also find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter as well too. All the socials. Um, that's where you can find Facebook's our best spot to find any kind of episode updates and yeah Ryan do you have anything to add before we nope that's it uh, yeah you already talked about all the socials and stuff I always tune out during that sorry but, I kind of uh, did I kind of yeah, yeah. talk a little bit about go, that uh, go follow that Facebook Instagram whatnot. Yeah. once the season gets started we'll start putting up some YouTube videos uh, yeah thanks for listening Thank- and uh we should be back next week. I'm going on vacation on Friday, but we should still be able to get in. Yeah, we'll get an podcast. episode. Yeah, but yeah. the week after, for sure, we won't be able to. Yeah, all right, everybody. Make sure to soak up the nice weather. Get out there. Ride your bikes. Watch some good bike racing. See ya.